everyone. Welcome back to the lib period. It's been two weeks since the last show. Um, and I've been busy. I've been traveling. I've been doing lots. But for once, it, it hasn't been Amplify work. And it's been my personal work and focusing on whole hang and pushing updates and, and doing so much crazy stuff. But I've been focusing on lining up some creative, talented guests who are going out there and, and building their own movements and empires and communities and all these crazy things that I think that people should talk about and should be given kind of a platform, um, which is my podcast, to talk about their experiences, their skill set, their startups, their goals, missions, their team, whatever it is, really. So over the past two weeks, I've been picking up creative guests to bring on the show. And today's guest is a young lady called Caitlin Stanton. Now, Caitlin is super cool, creative. And the reason that she's on the podcast today is because um, Caitlin's shaping up the whole movement of women in tech and organizing big hackathons and She's really involved in it over in New York City. So I'm excited to get her on the show. One of the biggest things is that Caitlin is 19 years old, the same as myself. And obviously she's a girl. So she's the first girl on the show. And I just think that kind of needs a round of applause um, because it just seems to be a male-dominated industry, tech which I use to my advantage, and as Caitlin will clearly explain that she does that too. Um, But I always think it's good to have more girls speaking up about their experiences, their goals, aspirations, what they're up to, and really playing that forward. So with that said, I know this is a quick introduction, but I'm super excited to get the interview on the way. So let's get Caitlin on the show. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. The signal's okay, good. Yeah, I think I hadn't given it access to my microphone. And then after you called, it was like, oh, can we use your microphone? And I was like, oh, yeah, you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're good no now. <laughs> All's good. Well, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. It's good to have you. I've done an introduction beforehand, which you'll air out also. Okay. Uh, I kind of gave the heads up to everyone listening that you're the first female on the show. Um mm. So yeah, super psyched to have you. So thanks for um, giving me your time, really. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. Cool, cool. So if we can start off with like a little brief introduction about name, age, location, and what you're currently doing, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Caitlin Stanton. Uh, I'm 19 years old. I'll actually be turning 20 in about a month, which is kind of exciting. Uh, I'm born and raised in New York, but currently I am in San Diego. I am interning at Qualcomm. Um, And then when I'm not interning during the summer, I'm a student at Cornell University where I study electrical and computer engineering. And uh, this year I'll be a junior, which is really exciting. Super cool. So my question to ask is because we all know there's not many women in tech, and this is Mm -hmm. something that I know very, you feel very strongly about, and I do too. Um, but my question is, what got you interested in tech, and how did you end up doing computer engineering and studying that? Yeah, yeah. So I've actually had the, a kind of weird journey into tech. 
for the longest time, I really thought that I was going to go into architecture um, just because like I grew up in New York City. I really loved walking around and looking at all the buildings and it, it, the thought of like creating something that would add to the skyline that I actually lived in was really exciting. Um, but then I learned more about what it took to be an architect and there's a lot of licensing and I was like, nah, I'm good. I don't really need to do that. Um, so yeah, yeah so I started thinking about mechanical engineering just so I could still be in that kind of realm of buildings and infrastructure. Uh, and then as soon as I mentioned engineering, my parents are like, oh, uh, you need to learn how to code if you want to be an engineer. Uh, and they're not technical whatsoever. They don't know anything about tech. Um, but they kind of thought that coding was a valuable skill to learn if you were going into a STEM field. Um, and obviously they're right. Um, but at that time I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Um, and kind of took their word for it. And they found this program that's really known now. It's called Girls Who Code. Um, and they had me apply. I wasn't super thrilled about it, but um, just because it was going to be like a kind of summer school for me. Uh, but I applied. I got in back in 2014, so I was still in high school, and that kind of like kicked my um, kicked off my career in tech, just because I got to work with other girls and um, who also didn't really understand computer science or what it could do. And we did a lot of hands-on projects, and I like really learned what I could use technology for. And then it was after that summer that I was like, okay, I want to pursue something in technology whether it's software development or something else, but I know I definitely want to do something that's based in technology. Uh, so after that, I just started taking more classes in my high school, and then I started going to more hackathons. And uh, when I did, was going into college, I decided to major in electrical and computer engineering just so I could work with both hardware and software, um, kind of open up the realm for more things I could build. Um, and yeah, so like I kind of just got hooked on the fact that you can basically do almost anything with tech. Uh, and I've just been running with that ever since, yeah. That is a long answer, but a really good answer. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I find your path into tech really interesting in terms of how you kind of went to the summer school, your parents kind of put you in that situation, and then you kind of got hooked and addicted to it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that happens to all of us who are in tech, um, because I think you've got to be a bit crazy um, to have a career oh, yeah. in tech with how, how <laughs> quick it moves so like we're constantly watching the market and stuff um, but yeah I, re I really like that so what is it that you love if you could say one thing that you really love about computer science and if you put it all together is it actually the coding is it putting a product in someone's hands um, is it design and that what is it yeah that's well that's a really good question um, just because yeah. I love a lot of things about tech and computer science but for me it's kind of the process into making the finished product you know so like yeah. the thing about computer science that people don't really realize is that it's not just someone sitting at their computer alone and kind of just whipping up a program and then pushing it onto whatever code repository and then it's done there's so many things that go into making even like the simplest website or anything like that so like the process of knowing that you have to code something, you have to build something, but there's so much testing and like audience uh, research you have to do and business strategy. And there's so many things that go into a product that people sometimes take for granted, um, but can make their lives ultimately easier. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just the fact that like so much can go into 
this like really simple app or website or um, even like hardware technology that people use every day and they find really simple to use, but probably took months, if not years to develop. Yeah, that's something I've like preached so much because people yeah. go, oh yeah, you know, the, the downloads and then they delete apps like the nothing. And I go, whoa, there's so much development work involved in that. And then that's even without the business and the marketing side of it. Uh, I don't think consumers think of that when they're using it, but from a tech perspective, I think we we all understand in tech work that, that includes and all the different departments that have got to come together to deliver on that. Yeah. Um, and I can totally resonate with you with you know, my position on product at Amplify and my own startups that I've had and, and still have, that that is the, what I love also, that switching from it maybe coding to switching to marketing to switching to market research and to switch into trying to find funds. I find that interesting in how you can do lots of different things, but it's still bringing tech together. So exactly. I can, to- can totally resonate with you. But my, my question really is for you to tell the listeners who hear this on loads of different platforms, mm-hmm. really is about your involvement in hackathons and bringing people together to collaborate because I found that really cool and interesting. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know what a hackathon is, uh, which for the longest time was like the rest of my family, uh, <laughs> it's basically a coding competition. You have a certain amount of time to code something either based off of a prompt or just off of like your own brainstorming alone. Um, And it's particularly team-based. And then by the end of the time duration you're given, judges come around and give awards. And um, it's more than just a coding competition just because you get to interact with the rest of the CS community. You get to do fun activities. You get to stay up until like 4 a.m. and eat junk food. And it's a really great bonding experience, but I like to (laughs) boil it down to being a coding competition. Um, but yeah, so my history with hackathons really started back in high school. After I did Girls Who Code, I went to a hackathon, I'd say at least once a month, just because I felt that it was a very, very good way to work on something and make it into a prototype and kind of work within the confines of something that could be found in like a real working environment. Just because like when you work, I don't know, like side projects or something, you don't really have a deadline. Or if you do a school assignment, you kind of don't get a lot of room to brainstorm something new. Uh, So at a hackathon, you have to learn how to think quickly and adapt to issues and cut corners, but still make sure that your product is something that could be explained to the judges and like the other hackathon attendees and that it's something that people would actually want to use. Um, and so, yeah, so after my junior year, I'd gone to a bunch of hackathons and then I actually started getting into hackathon organizing just because I felt that because the hackathon culture in New York City was kind of young, there weren't enough hackathons, in my opinion, that really supported high school students and people who were um, t- typically marginalized in tech, so like women, um, people who are minorities. And so my first hackathon that I co-founded was for high school students, uh, just to kind of give them more of a supportive environment if they didn't know how to code. And then um, the ones that I'm organizing currently now and currently um, I'm focusing my energy on are um, Program Hers, which is meant to immerse women in tech um, and kind of give them a little taste of what technology can do and how vast Um, of a field it actually is and so that it's not just algorithms it's web development and UX design and business strategy and stuff like that Uh, and then the other one that I'm working on is forward code which is 
about social innovation, um, in, especially for college students, just because I know that we're the generation who can really um, impact the world around us and make a change and solve issues with tech that previously other older generations kind of wrote off as not being able to solve pretty easily. Um, so yeah, so my kind of goal with all my hackathons is just to provide a supportive environment for people who don't typically have a hackathon like crafted for them, and then just give those people a platform for them to build whatever they want and hopefully innovate something and create something that they're either passionate about or can change the world in some way, or it's just really fun for them to make so that at the end of the 12 hours or 24 hours or 36 hours, they leave feeling satisfied that they learn something new or experience something new. Definitely. You know, one thing that's, that I've watched with hackathons, which is like super weird, but mm. I guess as humans, it's how we connect. You've got these group of strangers, right? And they come yeah. together. And at first, they're really awkward in a room and you really don't know how to approach each other. <laughs> and then someone might give an idea if there's enough brainstorming, you know, a hint of like an industry that it might have to be in. And all of a sudden, you start seeing the minds ticking as yeah. soon as they put into a group or they form a group. And then by the end of it, as you say, it is a real bonding experience. It's like going on a summer camp, but like in like a squished period of time. Yeah. And by the end of it, they walk out like code buddies. They add each other everywhere. They go to other hackathons together. And I think it is a real unique experience of, one, going from strangers, in some cases with hackathons, to becoming a team and then watching that team manage pressure watching the leaders you know the people who pitch or the people who are less confident and might be a bit introverted and you see all these different skill sets coming together and I think that's the real magic in it and I think it'll be interesting to know what's your favorite part of the hackathon is it first getting together in a group is it coming up with the idea is it showcasing the idea what worries it yeah, I would say just like the teamwork aspect, uh, just because yeah. like I think CS gets the kind of reputation of being like a solitary field where people will just code alone at their computer. But when you're at a hackathon, like you're saying, you know people, but then you also have to work with people that you've never worked with before. Um, sure. So you have to figure out their strengths, their weaknesses, what you actually need for the product you want to make, um, whether everybody's excited about the same feature or if they want a change to be made or something. And so you have to work with these people in a very stressful environment and the fact that you only have a certain amount of time to get it done. Um, and so for me, it's really cool to, first of all, meet those people and kind of assess where they are and get to know them a little bit more, um, but then see how people's strengths and weaknesses will come out in terms of working together on like a specific code feature, like the presentation or brainstorming and seeing how like all these people come from different backgrounds and different experience levels um, but can all come together and kind of put all of their puzzle pieces together to make the final product. Um, and it's just, it really proves to me that like people, even if you don't know them, can be put into a situation where you can cooperate and work and make something really cool and then leave knowing that you've gained some experience in working with new people and learning new skills and learning from each other. Because I think that's like, obviously you want to win the hackathon. I think that's always something that people want to do but for me the most important thing for me is to just leave knowing that I've either learned something new or worked with someone new or experienced something that I hadn't done before um, and that typically happens when I surround myself with people who are 
diverse in like their backgrounds or interests or something like that. And then we all come together and make something successful. Sure. So I guess this leads me on. I totally get what you're saying in regards to bringing people together and how you can have such a diverse group and the, the output is amazing and what they deliver. But in what they deliver, are you able to give some examples like listeners of previous hackathons, what you've built, what you've witnessed other people build? Yeah, yeah. So I'd say um, I'm going to talk about my, my latest hackathon that I went to. It was actually a hardware hackathon, uh, which was really exciting for me because I am an electrical and computer engineer, but all the other hackathons I've gone to were software based, um, which is fun. Don't get me wrong. I love coding, but I've always wanted to kind of dive more into hardware and work with that more because that is my major. Um, so at Cornell's uh, life-changing makeathon, it was held, I'd say like sometime in February, um, a bunch of my friends and I, so some of my fellow, fellow like classmates and then other people that we met at the hackathon, uh, we got together and we decided to make something to kind of combat negative phone usage and kind of promote phone habits that were healthy. Um, just because I know that I'm constantly on my phone and it's not good at all. Um, so we built a phone case that if you held it for too long, it would buzz and flash lights and generally be very annoying and really prompt the user to put it down. Um, and if you continued to hold it, then it would get more agitated. So you'd be more of a disturbance to other people around you. Uh, it was kind of yeah. like a, like a public shaming kind of way of putting your phone down. Um, and so cool. we had that. And then the other half of it was to call your loved ones, just because a lot of people, especially in college and who are studying abroad, uh, don't really get in touch with their family as much. It's actually proven that younger people, even though we're like the most connected generations, tend to not feel as connected with the people around them. They feel lonelier because they actually don't reach out to them as much. Um, so there is like this me uh, mechanized flower pot that if you called your family member that day, the flower would grow. Um, and if you hadn't, then it would wilt. So it was kind of like a positive reinforcement to show you like visually, like you have called your parents or your family members or something like that um, and kind of show the user um, where they were in terms of contacting their loved ones. Uh, and for me, that was really cool because I got to work I got to build it with an Arduino Uno and various sensors. And um, that was something I'd never worked with before. Um, but then the, the, also the really cool part, like kind of going back on the team aspect of the hackathon, um, my team was all women. Um, we were ECEs and mechanical engineers and CS majors. Um, and we didn't, had never all worked together on a project before. Some of us hadn't even met each other. Um, and we kind of went into that hackathon, like looking at the other people around us and kind of saying like, oh, they're grad students or, oh, they look like they've gone to hardware hackathons before. Like we, we, we're just going to have a fun time. We're not going to pressure ourselves into, um, pushing ourselves too hard to win it. Um, just because we just wanted to learn something new. We didn't feel really hard pressed to try to win it or anything like that. And then, um, the second day of the hackathon, when we were presenting and they called our team up. Uh, as the second place winner, uh, it was it was really exciting because uh, we just expected all of these other other teams that made products that just seemed so much more like complex. Uh, we really expected them to come out on top, and uh, then the fact that us, like the only women, uh, only full women team, actually uh, won second place in this hackathon, and we didn't even expect to place 
at all was really exciting. And I just remember us like kind of off to the side when they called our names, uh, kind of like squealing to ourselves, which was probably really annoying to everybody around us, but it was a really good moment. And so like for me, like that's kind of the hackathon project that right now stands out in my mind the most, just because I use something new. I worked with hardware and then I got to work with people that I hadn't previously worked with before. And we, su we surprised even ourselves with the outcome of the entire hackathon. I love that. I, I love the concept <laughs> of the phone case. Yeah. Uh, and then I love the concept of, I totally see um, the issue with students not connecting with the family members and those who study abroad. I, I totally get that. Um, but yeah, I, I love the concept and congrats on placing. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah. So my question is, you've just touched on your team was all female. So mm -hmm. it's like the whole women in tech pushing that forward. So what are your experiences being obviously a young woman in tech, um, both mm -hmm. positive and negative? Do you find it's more positive than negative or? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm very grateful for where I am today. I think that I've had a better experience with being a woman in tech than um, a lot of my other fellow classmates, just because I've gone to schools that have really strong STEM programs where it was kind of assumed that you'd go into a STEM field. And so it wasn't weird to see a lot of girls in my classes. Uh, I was a part of Girls Who Code, so I have that kind of supportive network. And then my family, who most of them aren't technical at all or haven't really gone into college to study a technical field, they all heard me talk about computer science and technology and kind of just were like, okay, go for it. Like, we don't really care as long as it's something that you're passionate about and can find a career in. So for me, I've had that really supportive background, which has really helped me. And so I haven't really experienced any like huge biases or discrimination against me. I think something that's a little bit more rampant is something that's called like a microaggression, um, yeah. which is basically, yeah, like, so it's like a, a slight like condescension or just like little things people will say or do that isn't like directly harming you, but it's just showing that they have this bias in their mind that, girls aren't necessarily as acclimated to the tech field or shouldn't really deserve to be there or something like that. So um, it's something that me and my friends have experienced where maybe one of our guy friends would rather talk to his other guy friend about the homework rather than us, um, or maybe a professor won't necessarily expect uh, a female student to do as well in the class as a male student. Um, so like little microaggressions like that have kind of been the issue that I've faced and that my other classmates have faced. And then I guess like a thing about being a woman in tech is that I've been lucky enough to have the network of females and uh, even like male allies behind me to kind of push me and encourage me to do whatever I want to do. But sometimes women don't have necessarily the, built up the confidence um, that other women in tech have been able to have. And so when they get something like uh, like a setback or a low grade or um, like someone kind of being condescending or having those microaggressions. It's just easier for, for a woman to feel like they don't deserve to be there or if they don't, that they don't like have the skills to kind of pursue tech or a STEM field. Um, and so there are studies shown that say like, okay, if a female student got a, like a B minus in a class, um, which is a passing grade and is a grade that will let the class count for your major. If they get that grade, they're more likely to drop out of the major than a male, just because these females have 
like higher expectations for ourselves. And it's like, it's harder for us to kind of handle um, getting a lower grade, especially after being like high performing in high school. Whereas um, males tend to have more of that like innate confidence and they'll just think to themselves like, okay, I passed the class. I have it counted my major, like time to just press on to the next like upper level course. Um, So yeah, so overall, like as a woman, I haven't really... I've been lucky enough to not experience like huge bouts of discrimination, but I definitely have experienced the fact that you have to push yourself a little bit harder and you have to prove yourself a little bit more just for like your fellow male classmates and colleagues to kind of reach out for you as a resource rather than someone who is not a female in tech. Definitely. I I can, I can relate to that. I spent like the last four and a half years, um, a lot of a lot of re- with a lot of rejection so like mm-hmm. at organized meetings people wouldn't turn up and they'd be male and they'd be like mid-30s and then the age was an issue and then it wasn't really till I had like a case study with fifth flash and we accumulated thousands of users and a really strong user base that people started taking me seriously mm-hmm. and then I could start showcasing my work and I started speaking more and I think it's kind of as a female, you've got to build a little bit of a portfolio and yeah. experience to kind of take to the table and say, well, this is me, this is what I can offer, and this is what I've done. And actually go and ask those people I've worked with how good I am type thing. That I think that's what we've got to do. Um, because I, I think I totally agree with the, with the confidence in, mm-hmm. in females lacking confidence. And partially, I, I don't know about over in the States, but here in the UK... We don't really push IT, what it is before, like, you go on to computer science in our college and mm-hmm. um, before you go to university. We don't push IT a lot. And if it is, it's, like, the most boringest thing, the bo- most boring <laughs> HTML. And you actually, like, I think they can make it more engaging for young girls, like, build your own blog. They don't do any of that. Um, and I think it's about necessarily applying it to the the common trends of what females are looking at online and helping them build that and I think that's how we could encourage more women in tech here with the confidence from a young age um because our education system just isn't good for it and it's not until you get to uni um university over here that it's actually pushed and people go to uni and and they have this like eye-opener where all the theory of wow there's so much involved that I was never previously you know talk to about or people mentioned when I was in high school um so I think it's about education over in the UK from a young age empowering them and saying well actually this is what you can build it doesn't necessarily have to be with a raspberry pi and it doesn't necessarily have to be a boring website we can do this and it applies to everyone you know both sexes um and I think that's the issue we've got here what what yeah. is you know, what is your experience over in the States with IT slash computer science, whatever you call it, from a young age? Was it pushed to you at, from an early stage in school? So uh, so New York City is a little, little special, I'd say, uh, just because our mayor Definitely. is now pushing um, for uh, computer science to be in all schools by 2020, uh, yeah. just because, like, Coding is, is the next big skill that people need to learn um, because it sure. is very invaluable despite any field that you're in. Uh, so for me, like my high school was different in that we had computer science classes. We had 
Um, so what we call AP computer science. And then we even had classes past that level. So for like software development and systems level programming. And I definitely agree with you that like, I think when it comes to computer science in schools, it's taught in a way that isn't really engaging. I really didn't feel like I wanted to go into computer science until I did Girls Who Code and then other hackathons, just because I kind of saw that all the school assignments I was working on were very much straightforward and they didn't allow for a lot of creativity and you kind of didn't get to see what you could actually build. Um, whereas in Girls Who Code and like all of the project-based courses I've had since then, you got to work on, like you said, like your own blog or like your own uh, video game background, like scroller or yeah. something that like you can actually see how it would be applied. And so like, I think that that's something that at least here in the United States, we're starting to realize is that in order to get younger generations, especially like middle schoolers and elementary schoolers interested in computer science, you have to give it to them in a way that is interesting and exciting for them to work with. Um, sure. And so like, so the way that my younger siblings actually started working with computer science is they started um, messing around with this program called Scratch. Uh, it was developed by MIT and what it does is it helps you learn about like for loops and variables and conditions and stuff like that in a way that creates, allows you to make your own game. Uh, so you're able to move around like little characters and give them um, functions to move and interact with each other and score points or whatever the game entails. Um, but it gives the kids a visual way to see what they're actually working on and a fun way to interact with the program that they're building. Um, and that's how my brother started like thinking about technology and he's a little bit younger than me. And that's how my sister first started interacting with computer science at her school. Um, and she's in middle school, so she's way younger than me. Um, and I think yeah. that's what schools and programs are now trying to do is trying to draw kids in by giving them something that they can interact with and then take home and be like, okay, I've learned like about a for loop today. And now in the tech that I use around me, like I can see how this for loop can be used in the programs that I use every day. Um, and that's how I think computer science education is starting to like turn in terms of building those kinds of programs and kind of encouraging kids to go into the field of computer science. Definitely. I kind of feel like, and I don't know if this is biased, but because I'm in tech and yourself, you're involved in tech, that our careers are safer than others. We just see mm. a lot of jobs being replaced by machine learning. A lot of people are scared of AI, even though AI can do so much good compared to the bad. And you know, I see a lot of people being replaced. And I, you're, you're totally right in what you're saying in regards to you know, the skill that people are gonna need to learn is how to code. Um, yeah, forget about machines coding themselves right now. I think the essentials are the Java and the Python um, mm -hmm. and the languages that can be used on multiple different things to build. Um, but I also think there's a, there's a huge conversation and, and a movement that needs to start of pushing hardware more. Like the yeah. amount of people that sit on a laptop and don't know how it's put together or don't know how to build their own laptop out of little parts that they can buy online. And then I think this is why Raspberry Pi has gone really popular because people like the idea of, you know, they can build it so they can control certain things in their house or and they can connect it to the Wi-Fi router and all these different things. Um, 
in regards to education. I don't know if you've seen, but on TechCrunch, like over the past 12 months, it's just been education startups, subscription, education box startups are raising a fortune um, with this whole, okay, well, each month we'll deliver something through your door for your child for them to build. Um, and it's a combination of a little bit of hardware and a little bit of software. And, and the reason of fortune, because at the end of the day, a lot of people who, a lot of parents who, who are sat in New York City or in, especially in San Francisco, see that a lot of people are going to have to be involved in tech. That's where jobs are emerging. So children have got to be equipped to deal with that. So they are paying the subscription fee. So it's unbelievable to see the movements happening there. Um, I just think the UK is a little bit behind, but we always mm. have been towards America and tech. To say that we've like had some amazing breakthroughs in universities in Cambridge and Oxford, I just don't think we're, we're quite there like, like an MIT or the people who come out of an MIT. But that's not just saying the people who come out of these top universities are the only ones that can build great things. Um, right, yeah. Because we know straight away, it, it's proven record, a lot of people drop out and they go on to do amazing things. Um, but yeah, I, I think education is something that obviously has worked fantastic for you. Um, and the flip side, I just completely dropped out. Um, <laughs> I, I'm that rebel. <laughs> but yeah, it's totally worked well for you. And my, my question is, once you're done with education, where do you want to be next? What is the dream job? Um for you like if you could pick anything what is it oh wow um well for me just because I'm interested in hardware I'm interested in coding but seeing that code played out on a physical device so like kind of the embedded systems part of technology is what I'm interested in right now um so I'd say if I were to choose any job right after college I definitely would want to be a hardware engineer specializing with embedded systems just so I'm not doing like the low level circuiting um, of like a chip or a product or something like that because that is awesome and that is really interesting but I've learned in school that it's just not my thing or at least it isn't right now um, yeah. but I do enjoy coding and I do enjoy seeing the effects of something on a physical device um, so I'd want to be a hardware engineer in embedded systems and then maybe even down the line working as a hardware product or project manager, just because I do love interacting with people and wearing different hats and kind of getting my hands dirty in terms of technical aspects of a project and the business aspects of a project and marketing and uh, research and all of those different things. Um, and I love managing and organizing and giving out tasks. And uh, like, I would really want to, at some point after I build up like my technical knowledge, go into product management because I feel like it's something where you get to interact with a bunch of different people and you're constantly learning and on your toes, but you get to still maintain that technical side of being able to work on the product itself. Um, I, I don't ever want to lose that, but I do eventually after I build up more of my base or my foundation of hardware knowledge, want to get into a spot where I can look like spend some days working on the hardware aspect of the product but then also work with other teams and help actually manage the entire product itself from like the creation of the idea to the actual um, act of putting it out on the market yeah so I, I kind of see you in 
and based on what you've told me and your experiences and organizing hackathons, I kind of see you as like a leader, right? I I, kind of see how you can manage people and how you like that and you like organization. So my question that follows up with that is, do you just see yourself always working for someone else's company or because you are a maker and you like building things, if you witnessed, say you witnessed a, a problem and you built the solution, would you take the risk of founding your own company or do you kind of want to stay um, not necessarily under the safety blanket of someone else's company, but work for someone else? I definitely want to start my own company. I think yeah. um, being able to say that you founded something and were on the founding team for something and kind of saw your this own problem that you noticed and were able to help ideate and create a product to solve it is just for me something that like I've always wanted to have that feeling um which is why I love founding these hackathons and like other organizations just because I like seeing that there's an issue and knowing that I am one in the one of the people who can potentially solve it um so for me I think Going into startup culture is not something I want to do immediately. I feel like I definitely want to work in a company and build up the knowledge base, um, both in the technical skill set and then also the non-technical skill sets like business and working with new people and all those other things, just because I feel like if I were to start my own startup now, I def- it definitely would take me a lot more time and I definitely would make mistakes that if I had spent time in a company, I probably wouldn't have made. Um, and I also, once I like work, get into the workforce, like I'll establish a bigger network and I could potentially pull in people that I know to be a part of the founding team. And so by establishing, establishing myself first and like kind of the workforce, I can kind of build up that foundation. And then once I see that idea, once I see the potential for some new product that no one else has seen, I definitely do want to go into this world of startups and kind of, it's always been my dream to be able to leave my mark on the world in some way, whether that's being able to look at a phone and say like, oh, I helped make that chip or being able to look at like an event kind of organization and saying like, oh, I was on the founding team for that. Like I always love being able to say like, I helped build that. And I think that if I had my own company, that would be like the best feeling to see like I built something and I believed in it and I brought in the right people and we all built something that we thought would be successful and then it actually turns out to be something that people actually would need and use. Um, so that that like the idea of that is really thrilling to me. And so I yeah. definitely want to pursue that at least some point in my life when I feel like I have the right kind of knowledge in order to make that a reality. Yeah, totally. I totally see the the stepping stone in which you see and working for a bigger company and not necessarily going right into startup world because it is it is risky and it is brutal, but you do learn a lot from mm-hmm. someone else's company. Like it, it's super weird. Like I've been doing so many different startups and then you work for someone else and all of a sudden you kind of see how other people work together and bringing all those different ages and skills and departments together from my perspective managing them which is super hard by the way (laughs) so (laughs) make sure you get loads of experience and how to like deal with stress and deal with people um but yeah I I get that you want that experience and you're really right in regards to building that network you know you can you might just make friends with the right person the right team and then 
six months later, after your NDA is over, <laughs> the next thing you go and you go and build your own company. Um, yeah, that's bad influence to people watching this. But um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I totally get that, and I, I can see you doing it because you're already like motivated, determined, and taking the step forward, which is always good to see. Um, so the next thing I've got is. I was actually going to ask you this on our intro call yesterday and our mm. intro call was like super long and we're having so many different chats about different things, but do you have a role model? Like if you don't have one and you have five, then that's cool. But is there, is there one person that you look up to and you think, you know what, I, I want to be a bit like them or maybe you, you read their book or you listen to their podcast or they've built something. Is there anyone? Yeah. I mean, there's okay. definitely a lot of people uh, both that I know personally and that I've heard of and read about that have influenced me. Uh, but the person that I typically draw from for like actual inspiration is uh, Mayim Bialik. Uh, okay. She is, uh, people know her from uh, the Big Bang Theory. Uh, she's an actress, but the really cool thing that I learned, I think maybe like a year or two ago is that she's not only an actress, she's actually a neuroscientist. She has a PhD. She's uh, wow. a mother and she's um, she's like so accomplished it's ridiculous um, and so f- for me like I'm someone who I consider myself to be interested in many different things like I love coding and being in tech but I also love writing and I love social media and I I love sports and so I kind of for me I want to be able to get to a place in my life where I'm able to juggle all these interests and maintain a level of um, involvement in all of the things that I love to do. And I feel like she's been able to do that. She's been able to have a family and have, uh, earn her PhD and have a career that's not necessarily science related, but is still super, um, ambitious. And she's worked really hard, um, to make yeah. all of that happen and balance all of those interests and obligations. And it's, it's amazing to see like what she's done, in her life and like a kind of I guess maybe the reason that she um for me it seems to be like a pretty big inspiration is just because like my mom does the same thing like she's a teacher but she also is trying to get her second master's and she's also like along with my dad taking care of three kids and so it's it's a lot to see like a working woman who has a family and other interests be successful and I really want to like I, I aspire to kind of reach that in my lifetime yeah well you've just educated me on someone new. <laughs> so yeah you just inspired me a bit um I, I get I get that you want to get you've got a lot of passions and you want to get to a place where you can fill your time with family sport collaboration writing tech I, I get that from a personal standpoint as well um but something that you mentioned and that was balance and getting that balance to where you kind of feel fulfilled um so my, my question is, currently, we know you have, you're involved in a lot of different groups and activities and you have college and studies. So how do you relax and re-energize your, yourself? Do you have any certain things that you like to do, rituals or routines? Yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely have my own, but I'm constantly learning every day. Like I messaged you about tips and stuff and I've asked my friends about what they do uh, to relax, but for me, the stuff is that's been working so far, and obviously I'm not in school right now, so we'll see how that works uh, in the fall. 
but um, the stuff that's worked for me so now, so far now is uh, making sure that I get enough sleep and taking care of myself. Um, I've kind of instituted a rule on myself that I shouldn't be up working past one. So last semester, um, I gave myself a rule. If I wasn't done with work by one, I would just leave. Um, just because I felt that I wasn't productive after that time. And I had spent too many nights staying up until like 4am to, and that like wrecked me health wise. And I couldn't think, and I realized that it wasn't productive for me to not get sleep. Like in the long run, like, yeah, I can fail that assignment or not finish it to the level of quality that I would want. But if I'm not there um, mentally or physically to finish something, then it's just not going to get done. So I needed to be at my like top performing um, function. And so for me, that's getting enough sleep. So I get enough sleep by going to bed by one. And I make sure that when I am thinking about my day, I plan it out the day before in terms of writing down my like appointments and meetings and classes that I have to go to. And I've started to try to use like my Google calendar to um, section out times during my day to work out or to work on this one assignment or to eat dinner or to hang out with my friends. Um, just because I know that, like, as you said, I have a lot of stuff going on. I have a lot of extracurricular activities and like activities that I participate outside of school and schoolwork and now work over the summer. Um, and for me, it's just, taking the time the day before to go over what I need to do the next day in terms of who I need to talk to, what meetings I need to have. Um, and then also establishing like little tasks that I need to do. Um, so I try to give myself at least three daily goals that I know are achievable the next day, whether it's something as simple as like checking my email or if it's something bigger that will take a little bit more time, like writing a blog post or something like that. And for me, the satisfaction of checking that off in my journal uh, really pushes me to actually complete them. And it gives me a way to hold myself accountable because if I look back in my bullet journal and I see I haven't checked off anything in like three days, then I look back at myself and I'm like, what are you doing? Like you have time and you have time to accomplish all these things. Like, why aren't you doing that? Um, And so I like try to think about that the day before, but then something that I try to do. And this is because I have a tendency to kind of say yes to everything and over obligate myself is I try to make sure that I do give myself downtime every day, kind of along the same vein as getting enough sleep. So like if, even if it's just 15 minutes, I give myself time to sit down and watch a YouTube video or listen to music and walk a little bit or read a book or something that has nothing to do with any of my obligations and like work I need to do, but gives me time to like relax and enjoy things um, without the worry of having to do something else because I'm able to allocate at least 15 minutes of my day to just doing nothing. Um, And I think that's the, for me, that's been really good just because it makes me focus a a lot on myself um, and makes me kind of emphasize the fact that I can't work productively if I am not fully relaxed and energized and um, feeling my best. Totally. It's interesting to hear how you use a notebook or a journal, um, mm-hmm. like an actual one that you're writing. Do you use yeah. one of those? Yeah, yeah I, I got so like a I'm bullet just, journal. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the same, right? And I'm dead weird. They go on Amazon Basics every time I fill it, and I, I order, reorder it again because I've got like this thing where I just like the same notebook. But yeah. um, I, I know it's quite sad. But <laughs> the point, the point is. I love it because I feel like if I use the notes app on my phone or so many different like Evernote on my laptop, I feel like it's not the same satisfaction of mm. like taking it off. You can't do that. So like the only thing that I actually write uh, like, in all my work is my goals, a review of my day um, and tasks. And I don't write any, like don't type any of that on my laptop or phone purely because I feel like I have that many different things open. I won't go back to it and hold myself accountable. Right. So I see why you do that. Um, because if you're a bit like me, you have so many different apps on your phone, so many different things on your, your laptop, that actually your to-do list or your goals get lost in between that. So I yeah. always like have my notebook open on the page for today. And then I go with that and I keep on going back to that every few hours. So I, it's interesting to hear how you actually still use paper like me. <laughs> um, because a lot of people... Like at Amplify, like they take the notes on on the Macs and different things, and I'm sat there with my notebook. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's good sometimes to be old school. And I really like how you take that 15 minutes to do something that. Th- this is a weird thing, right? I have a lot of people who say to me, "Well, for my relaxation is to go to the gym," um, and that may sound like complete horror to someone who hates exercising, but to me, that's how I relax. So when I come out of there. I feel re-energized and I have that endorphin boost or reading like yourself. But some people look at that and say, well, actually, you're still really doing something. Um, So you're not totally relaxed. Um, But it's interesting how you give yourself that 15 minutes to watch a YouTube video, read. Um, You're still doing things like me, but that's your way of relaxing. Right. Whereas some people... um, they're they're when you say relax they think absolutely nothing like they will sit there and do absolutely nothing and I'm someone that finds it hard to do absolutely nothing do you find that hard or is that something you've managed to to get to the stage I yeah I definitely feel like it's hard for me to sit and like I guess like stare at a wall like I kind of when I think of my free time I think of my free time as something to be used like I will take the time to like take a power nap but that is still doing something that's me napping um but like yeah like I I definitely relate to you in that when I think of my free time I think of it as time that I can take to write or to read something or to watch Netflix or do something that for me it feels like my mind is turning off and I'm just like um just relaxing and enjoying whatever I'm doing but I guess maybe for other people they just need to have like no external stimuli and yeah. just sit there and just enjoy, I don't know, the outdoors. I guess that's what like, people do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know people who will go and sit in the park and just like no technology, no nothing, or they'll go and do 30 minutes of meditation. Like I struggle to get like 10 minutes meditation. Oh my God. Because yeah. I, you know, I, I get so many distractions and I understand that people say, oh, you know, it's okay to be distracted. But to me, I, I just kind of think, oh, I'll give up after like five yeah. minutes. I'm like, I'll give up. I'll come back to it later today. But some people just find that, you know, they might take those 15 minutes you talk about and sit there and do absolutely nothing. And yeah, I, it, it's interesting to, to actually meet someone who's quite the same, similar to me mm-hmm. who finds it hard. Um, so with that said, I think we've covered like 
how you got into tech, your education, the cool hackathons you've been involved in, the products that you've built and pitched, um, your experience being a woman in tech. And interestingly enough, that's positive and it's fantastic to hear. <laughs> we've also touched on what you want to do in the future. Um, we've touched on how you relax, who you find influential. So my final thing is, I am sure, because I had people comment on Instagram already, there are going to be people who listen to this who want to reach out to you. Um, and it would be great if they actually could reach out to you personally. So yeah. if you could give like either your Instagram handle or your Twitter handle, and then I'll also include it in the bio, in the description of this podcast, that'd be super cool. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Like if anybody who's listening has any questions or stories or opinions that they want to share with me, like I am always here to listen. I am constantly on my phone and I love responding to people and kind of building that network just because I feel like it's really cool to talk to other people who are interested or in the same things that I am or worrying about the same things that I am. Um, so yeah, like I can be reached everywhere um, at Coder Caitlin. Uh, my friends hate that that's my brand. They find it really funny that it's Coder I Caitlin. I love it. I think it's cool. I think I like the alliteration, you know, it really, it tells yeah. people what I do and both it, I like the alliteration. I like the way it rolls off the tongue. But the first time I told my friends that I changed all my handles to Coder Caitlin, they just looked at me and they were like, uh, okay, sure. Um, I mean, before then it was cool Kate 98, which they liked even less. Um, so, you know, like little baby steps, but <laughs> yeah, listen, so, mine's the yeah. worst. Like everyone says to me, the lid period, where did you get that from? And I said, well, it's a period of time where I'm talking about my experiences. And in this case, it's a period of time where I collaborate and I get someone else to talk about their experiences. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. But at first, we thought you were totally crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I get what you mean. And I've got a habit as well when it comes to products of like alliteration. So I'll have like fit, flash, pull, hang. The yeah. list goes on and everyone's like, what is it with you? Like, why can't you just have like one word why do you have to combine two with the same letter it but sounds I, cooler I, it does it sounds it does, better totally yeah and then so. i try and buy the domain <laughs> yeah so yeah that's how it works with me but yeah okay you've gave your twitter um your instagram handle i'm gonna put that in the bio um, amazing I've, I've already tagged you on my instagram and this is going to air out it takes about 24 hours to be across all different networks um okay. but it will be on spotify it will be on amazon alexa It'll be on Apple HomePod, Google Music, iTunes, podcasts. It'll be everywhere, basically. That's insane. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I hope that you get new followers. I hope people reach out to you. And most importantly, um, keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic to see someone of the similar age being female and pushing yeah. the movement. So, thank you for giving me your time. I've really appreciated it. And I'm sure the listeners have, too. Yeah, this was this has been awesome. And honestly, thank you so much for giving me your platform to talk to people. And it's it's been awesome talking to you as well, just because like you are a fellow young woman in tech. Uh, and it's great to kind of expand my network and meet other people who are doing the same things that I'm doing and feel the same way that I feel and learn about their experiences. So this has been awesome. Thank you. So final thing before we, we end today's episode, if you have like one tip, one tip on being a woman in tech if you could mm -hmm. give it what would it be for me I think and it's different for everybody I think something about technology is that you always have to put yourself out of your comfort zone it's definitely not uh comfortable at all 
there's a reason it's called the comfort zone. Uh, but if you're going to be in technology, you have to get used to adapting quickly and learning about new tech and um, kind of adapting to the new market spaces that are constantly opening. Um, and if you're stagnant, like you're not going to get anywhere in technology, you'll be successful for maybe two or three years, but then the next new space will open up and you'll be left behind. Um, sure. But then like the, also like you want to learn more about technology. If you're driven um, to code and build hardware, like something that I feel personally is that you should always feel excited about learning something new. Um, so for me, my tip is just to push yourself out of your comfort zone. If you see an opportunity to grow in some way, whether it's to go to a hackathon or to enroll in a summer program or enroll in a school course or re even reach out to someone um, who you didn't know before but heard was interested in computer science. Like that's a way to grow and learn as a person. And it's an incremental process. Like I'm obviously still in it. I'm still learning and growing every day. But um, Same. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. But if you don't push yourself in some way, you're never going to grow and adapt. And it's hard. And the best way to be able to feel good doing it is to have that kind of support network behind you. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say like, put yourself out there, apply for things. And this is something that I think we both said yesterday on our intercall was the worst they can say is no. Um, and if they sure. say no, then that's fine. You kind of take that rejection, you learn from it, you learn what you can improve to not get rejected again and apply for the next thing and get involved in the next thing. And then from there, you take those little steps to hopefully start your own company or enroll in a technical major in college or get that like developer position or something like that. The end thing is don't give up. So all yeah. female and male listeners, um, yeah, keep going, keep pushing. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for giving your time. Thank you. And I'm sure you're going to go far. So thank you so much, Caitlin. I'm going to wrap this up now. Thanks. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone. If you didn't think that was cool, then you're not cool. So that was Coda Caitlin. If you want to reach out, it's at Coda Caitlin on Instagram. That's a special handle. Um, but it will also be in the description of this episode. Be sure to reach out. It, she's an inspiring, creative, passionate young woman in tech. And I'm sure that this won't be the last time that you hear of her. So with that said, I've got many more interesting guests lined up for the lib period. It'd be fantastic to hear your feedback on today's episode altogether. And always I'm open for improvements going forward. And thank you for listening. My one ask is that you share this with someone that you think needs to hear it. Um, and even if that's on a social platform, that, then that's well appreciated. But I think a one-to-one -one is always much more personal. So with that said, thank you for listening and stay tuned. Thank you.